Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up the week. Lots going on with state fairs and a lot of activity that we'll be checking in on. Uh, the, we'll be checking in up in Minnesota. Farm Fest going on up there. Kevin Papp, president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, will join us. And the Iowa State Fair going on in Des Moines. We're going to talk with Angela Hoffman, co-director of Farmers for Free Trade, and former Arkansas Senator Blanche Lincoln. They'll be joining us to talk about the big rally they're going to have there, big event this afternoon to uh, promote USMCA. Then also we'll look ahead to Monday's big August crop report. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net will join us and uh, kind of preview that report coming out on Monday that has a lot of uh, attention already gathering and a lot of speculation about what USDA will say. We'll get Matt's thoughts on what the numbers might be and if he thinks that report will be a market mover or not. But right now, joining us from the Hagstrom Report is Jerry Hagstrom. Jerry, you've been at the the Sweetener Symposium, right? I have indeed, and it was a very interesting meeting. Uh, I'd say it's the first time uh, in in maybe the uh, 15 years or more that I've been covering the Sweetener Symposium. Uh, where the sugar growers are not complaining. Uh, at least they're not complaining about the operation of the U.S. sugar program. They say it's running smoothly. Uh, so do the Mexican growers, who, of course, have had their uh, exports to the United States somewhat restricted. And even the refiners say that they're getting the, the raw product. So that was an unusual aspect of the, uh, of the symposium. But at the same time, of course, the farmers are generally concerned about incomes and uh, the trade problems. How do the, the trade tensions with China impact the uh, sweetener industry? Well, they don't really have any direct impact uh, since we don't export, uh, uh, we don't, we don't export sugar. Uh, we import sugar. The U.S. Uh, uh, growers supply approximately 85% of the market, and we import the other 15% uh, from Mexico and from some, from some other uh, countries. But most of the sugar growers also grow other crops, and so it, uh, it affects the growers even if it does not affect the industry so, uh, so directly. Well, there's, as I mentioned, uh, this is a busy time of year. You have state fairs going on, and there's been a lot of talk about USMCA, members of Congress out in the countryside, uh, talking issues and trade certainly uh, right at the top of the list. Uh, you had some news this week at the uh, Sweetener Symposium. One member of Congress saying, don't expect to vote on USMCA till what, November or December? That's right. That's Congressman Vela from, uh, from Texas. Uh, and he's uh, uh, one of the subcommittee chairmen that, that uh, House Agriculture Committee Chairman uh, Colin Peterson is kind of promoting as a future leader. And uh, Vela had gone to Mexico with the group of members of the Ways and Means Committee to t- talk about the, uh, how, the, how the USMCA would be implemented. And he said the, that uh, 
really they've got to come to terms with some of these issues. In his case, he wants the government to agree to, to build better infrastructure at the border so that the, that the time it takes to get a truck uh, through the U.S. border going into Mexico or, coming, or Mexican trucks coming in is not so long. He says the wait times are sometimes uh, six hours. But he also brought up this issue of seasonal produce because the tomato producers in the southeast are saying this agreement should address our problems because we have these surges from Mexico. Um, but Vela said if the agreement did deal with their problem, this would upset the, the uh, Texas and the California industries and therefore might reduce support for the USMCA among the members of Congress from those states. So they've got a lot of problems still to deal with on the USMCA. My prediction is it'll be voted on like the last thing before they leave town before their holiday break. I wouldn't disagree with you at all. And that makes, for those of us who leave Washington for Christmas, that makes a very difficult situation, Mike. So I'm hoping you're a little bit wrong. Yeah, we will see. Uh, Meanwhile, right now... uh, they are out on August recess, and I said, as I mentioned, many of them attending state fairs and things like that. And um, we heard uh, this week in Minnesota at Farm Fest, where there was a listening session with the Chairman Peterson and Secretary Purdue, uh, patience uh, on some of these trade issues by farmers starting to grow thin. And, uh, and Colin Peterson and Sonny Purdue heard about that in Minnesota this week. Uh, they certainly did. I've seen, I've seen the reports of this. And I would say also at the Sugar Symposium, which was held in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, there's a lot of concern that these big payments to farmers that are, are especially going to big farmers um, are go- is going to cause problems uh, when it comes to 2023 to write the next farm bill, because it's happening at the same time that the Trump administration is trying to take people off food stamps. And th- this, is, this is going to create a negative atmosphere for the farmers at the time of the next farm bill. This will, this will be brought up uh, uh, if nothing is done to change the situation. And, of course, the, the, the best solution to this would be to restore trade. But it doesn't look like the Trump administration is going to be uh, softening any, any negotiations with China anytime soon. Yeah, signs are really pointing to a longer, uh, drawn-out issue with China that doesn't seem to be a resolution anytime soon. As we start hearing comments about, you know, maybe more market facilitation program payments will be needed in the future and that may go into next year, it's sounding more ominous, isn't it? Uh, It certainly is, with President Trump saying he will provide more trade aid in 2020 if that's needed. Uh, I know that he says that in order to, to tell the, the uh, Chinese, uh, you know, we have, a lot of, we have a lot of ways of dealing with this. Uh, but one thing that I heard when I was in uh, uh, at these meetings recently uh, is that agribusiness is starting to feel it because the money goes to the farmers. But, but what about the shippers, the traders, the, all the people who make money on exporting? Uh, down the line, they are not getting any compensation. It's only the farmers who are getting it. All right, Jerry, thanks a lot. Good to hear from you. Take care. All right. Good to hear from you, too. 
Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. All right, coming up next, Kevin Papp, president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, will uh, check in with us, tell us more about uh, what's going on at Farm Fest in Minnesota. Later, we're going to talk with the co-director of Farmers for Free Trade, Angela Hoffman, and former Senator Blanche Lincoln there at the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines. Big event going to be held there this afternoon talking about trade issues and promoting USMCA. Speaking of state fairs, Monday I'll be in Sedalia, Missouri, broadcasting from the Missouri State Fair. I'll be broadcasting from the Missouri Farm Bureau building. If you're going to be at the fair in Sedalia on Monday, I hope you'll stop by and say hello. All right, we'll check in in Minnesota and Farm Fest next on AOA. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Joining us now is Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, thanks for being with us. Let's start right off with EPA Administrator Wheeler's defense of their granting of these small refinery exemptions and claiming that those waivers are not harming and have not harmed ethanol demand. How do you respond to that? We've been seeing reports this week that uh, Administrator Wheeler met with six senators from farm states last week, uh, senators that we would consider uh, friendly to, to our industry and, and champions for the RFS. Reportedly, Administrator Wheeler told them, these exemptions that we've been handing out aren't having any impacts on biofuel blending and are not negatively impacting uh, renewable fuel producers and, and, and our industry, the ethanol industry. And, and we think that is just outright ludicrous. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. 
Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, it is definitely state fair and farm show season. Lots going on. This week is Farm Fest in Minnesota. We talked about that yesterday. I want to get a little more information from Kevin Papp, president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau. Kevin, thanks for joining us. You are welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. You had quite an event this week at Farm Fest with the House Ag Committee Chair Colin Peterson, Secretary Purdue, and other members of Congress. A very interesting listening session there. It was. It was a great three days of Farm Fest. We kind of started off the first day with the governor. The governor had 11 of his commissioners, different agencies, represented out visiting with, with, with farmers. Certainly having the House Ag Committee Chairman in his own district and the and that panel that uh, yesterday was the University of Minnesota new president and talked about the farm families of the year. So three big days of farm fest. The weather was perfect. That's good. You're you're cutting in and out, fading in and out a little bit on us there, Kevin, but hopefully the signal will hold. We're talking with Kevin Papp, president of Minnesota Farm Bureau, looking at the, this week's uh, big farm fest. As he said, good weather, good crowds. And the exchange between uh, farmers and uh, and Colin Peterson and Secretary Purdue, uh, I thought indicated that the patients wearing a little thin on some of these trade issues and uh, uh, farmers wanting to see some resolution to these issues. Well, I think it was very clear that uh, you know we've got significant financial and emotional challenges in agriculture right now. It's poor weather, low prices, uncertainty, and I just came through, but uh, I don't think that was a surprise to anybody. Both the chairman and the secretary understand agriculture, understand what we're going through, and I don't know any better champions to to have fighting for us uh, than those gentlemen. Some of the issues that came up, uh, concerns about trade, obviously. Uh, dairy issues were addressed. Uh, chairman Peterson uh saying he was surprised, uh, it sounded disappointed and frustrated that the more producers in Minnesota have not signed up for the dairy margin coverage program. Why do you think more have not? You know, I'm not sure. and It is disappointing because the, the chairman had been very active about uh, making sure we had a dairy policy that worked in this farm bill, and even as they worked on it before the farm bill was passed uh, on some other things. So it is that uh, hopefully the weather and all the other challenges have taken up some time, but we need to get the word out uh, and make sure that they have that opportunity to manage their risk. Do you think some of the hesitancy may be because of problems with past programs? Maybe they're still not confident in this new one, even with its improvements? Well, I think there's definitely a hangover from uh, some of the frustrations uh, the last program didn't work, and they haven't. Don't, they want nothing to do with that. But we've got to get our dairy farmers in Minnesota and really in the whole Midwest to, to understand that this is a different program. We've got some uh, certainly improvements into it, and we've got to continue to look at that 
talk with Kevin Papp, president of Minnesota Farm Bureau. And again, uh, the cell signal kind of fading a little bit on us, so we apologize for that. Uh, Kevin, uh, anything else that came up in, in that listening session at FarmFest uh, that indicated what issues are most on farmers' minds? Well, it, you know, it's the financial bit and whether it's with uh, high input costs, whether it's with low prices, whether it's other things, uh, individual health insurance costs, uh, lack of daycare. There's just a lot of things going on um, in rural America right now. What has the reaction been to the market facilitation and program payments and the, the county rates that were established? Well, there's always some across-the-county concerns, no matter what type of program it is. So that did come up. Uh, you know, and it was loud and clear. Farmers prefer trade over aid. We need to be at the table, continue to negotiate. You know, we'd rather be negotiating than withdrawing or retaliating. Um, but certainly with the financial uh, um, crisis that we're in, this temporary relief, um, we certainly appreciate it and, and quite frankly, much needed. Any discussion on USMCA and any indication from the members of Congress that were there about uh, its chances of passage this year? Absolutely. I had the opportunity to ask the first question. And my question was, can we ask the the Ag Committee, our Minnesota delegation, for their commitment and help to work on other issues, uh, trade being the number one thing? You know, USMCA is a critical first step. Um, as we negotiate with others. Let's get that done when we get back in September, and, and then we can move on to other negotiating. Your state was an early adopter to biofuels. It's a big part of your state. Uh, was the RFS issue and those waivers by EPA, were those addressed? They were addressed. You know, certainly a thank you for E15, and, you know, we've, we've been E10 in, in Minnesota for many years. Um, as well as having a biodiesel requirement. But the real concern is that demand destruction. If we want to have a number, let's stick with it, and those small refinery waivers um, take away. So, again, we're going to continue to push on that and help to understand that more and be more transparent. I saw some numbers this week on E15 sales. Uh, in Minnesota, they are up since the announcement of the year-round sales now for E15. You know, we're very fortunate. Our corn dealers are very active, um, but there are a lot of blender pumps in Minnesota. We've got a lot of opportunities for E10, E15, E30, um, certainly E85. So you can find a blender pump in, in many of our communities. Well, let's talk crop conditions in Minnesota. How do, how do things look? Well, they look really great if it was a month ago. Um, we're behind. Um, corn's pretty much all tasseled, but we got a long ways to go. Beans have kind of closed the road where, uh, where things won't too wet, but uh, we're like every place else. It's a little spotty in places, but uh, the crop looks pretty good. It just is significantly behind. Yeah, we hear that comment a lot. Things don't look too bad if it was a month earlier than, than it is right now. So uh, that's uh, that's a big issue. What about uh, moisture? Do you need rain? Um, we've been we've been blessed with some timely rains, not too much. But uh, you know, at this time of the year, you'll always take a, an inch of rain for the corn crop. Uh, but uh, these these are just kind of getting into flowering and, and pretty good. But we are not hurting for rain. 
not hurting for rain. Uh, that that's unlike some other areas that really are starting to get uh, kind of desperate for for some rain. Uh, so a state like yours, you're really, I'm, I'm sure, being as far north as you are, really watching that frost date. Absolutely. You know, we've got part of the state where, you know, we like to think we can make it to October, but quite frankly, uh, that's not a possibility. And everybody remembers that Labor Day freeze in the past, and, you know, that would be devastating to our maturity. And we just, we need uh, a lot of heat, a lot of sunshine, not only in August, but we're going to need it in September to get to black layer. All right, Kevin. As always, good to hear from you, and glad that you had a good, uh, good weather for Farm Fest. And sounds like um, sounds like some pretty big crowds turned out. It was great crowds. I mean, that was uh, most people we had uh, in that building uh, as we put up a new building versus a tent. But good, good three days of Farm Fest, and we're already working on how can we make Farm Fest better for next year. Very good. Good to talk with you. Take care, Kevin. Thank you. Apologize for the poor cell today. <laughs> no problem. No problem. That's just a chance we take on cell phones. Thank you. Kevin Papp, president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau. They had big crowds at Farm Fest. Well, state fairs are going on as well, one of those being the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines. They're going to have a, a big event there this afternoon. They're going to talk about trade, Farmers for Free Trade having uh, their their motorcade across the country, and uh, they are going to be at a number of places. They were at Farm Fest, and now they're at the Iowa State Fair. And this afternoon, Senator Grassley and others will be on a panel talking about the importance of USMCA. Coming up next, we're going to talk with the co-director of Farmers for Free Trade, Angela Hoffman, about their tour and uh, what they've heard uh, so far in their stops preview this afternoon's big event in Iowa, and then look ahead to where they're going to be uh, other stops coming up. They're headed to Illinois and some other places as well. Also joining her in our next segment will be former Arkansas Senator Blanche Lincoln, and we'll talk more about uh, the importance of getting USMCA passed. Again, speaking of state fairs, Monday I'll be broadcasting from the Missouri State Fair in Sedalia. I'll be at the Missouri Farm Bureau building. Hope it's You're going to be at the fair. You'll stop by, say hello. Look forward to talking with you. Also coming up on the program today, we're going to preview that big crop report on Monday. We're going to talk with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. So still lots to talk about. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after Dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? 
Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain futures higher on the overnight trade as forecasts of dry weather continue for U.S. farming areas, adding a little weather risk premium to the market. Dryness comes at a critical time in soybean development. Milder temperatures in the Midwest said to be limiting stress, but still, traders are concerned about an early frost, too. For the Western Corn Belt today, scattered showers and thunderstorms expected sometime on Saturday. Episodes of light showers with locally heavier amounts seen Friday, Saturday in the northern plains. Soybean futures trending into positive territory. November, an hour into the day, up four and a half at 887 and a half. December corn up two and a half at 420 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat September, a penny higher at 521 and a half. Kansas City wheat September up a penny at 419 and a half. Chicago wheat September up three and a half at 502. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, we've been trending in a mix early on this Friday. August is up a nickel at $108 per hundredweight. October up 32 at 107.07. Feeder cattle, August contract down 52 at 139.32. September down $1.27 at 138.60. Early on this Friday, cash cattle trade said to be slow to develop, asking prices around 112 to 113 on a live basis in the South. Lane hog futures, October down 42 at 67. 42 December down a nickel at 65.25. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is down 181, S&P down 22, Nasdaq down 71, September crude oil in New York up a dollar 95. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so we just were talking about Farm Fest in Minnesota. Now we'll talk about the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines. Joining us now is the co-director of Farmers for Free Trade, Angela Hoffman. Angela, you've been uh, logging quite a few miles. I believe you were at Farm Fest too, weren't you? 
I was, in fact, uh, good to talk to you this morning, Mike. We spent three days at Farm Fest in Minnesota, and we've just arrived here in Iowa at the Iowa State Fair and the Motorcade for Trade. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your motorcade. You've uh, you've covered a lot of territory and still got a ways to go. Well, we have. So Farmers for Free Trade launched this journey in April in Pennsylvania, and since then we've covered about 26 states, nearly 18,000 miles, and we've had a great opportunity to meet with farmers, ranchers, um, other producers across the country talking about the importance of trade and, and certainly the, the USMCA or the new NAFTA. Yeah, that's been your focus, right, uh, uh, keeping that in front of people and certainly in front of uh, decision-makers in Washington, D.C., about the importance of getting that trade deal passed. Absolutely. You know, 14 million American jobs depend on trade. Does that right on the RV? If you've been behind Ruth the RV, you're going to see that loud and clear. Canada and Mexico are our number one, number two trading partners. And at a time when we've got a lot of other instability in the markets, so with ups and downs with China, you know, getting North America trade back on track for our farmers and ranchers is just critical at this point in time. What has the response been at your various stops? The, the response has been really good. And when I say that, it's a point where people are talking about this issue. And they're talking about trade. They're talking about it not only with their family and friends, but other members of the community. The bankers are coming in. The economic developers are coming in. And they're really supporting one another. The second thing we're seeing, it's a real bipartisan effort, and I'll have Senator Lincoln here will be talking a little bit more about that, but you know, we've seen folks from both sides of the aisle coming together and supporting trade and looking at the local economics, the state economics, uh, putting that you know, first and foremost and trying to get this deal done. Now, you have a big event there at the Iowa State Fair this afternoon with uh, Senator Grassley and others, right? We do. We're actually hosting um, an event with Senator Grassley and Ag Secretary Mike Nag, as well as Senator Lincoln, and they're going to be talking about the importance of the USMCA and egg trade to the state of Iowa. So we're going to be right here on the fairgrounds at the, the Secretary's booth in the Varied Arts Building having that conversation. And then from there, I know you're going to make some stops in Illinois. We are. We're actually going to swing through Missouri, and we'll be at the Missouri State Fair late in the afternoon on Sunday. And then we'll be at the Iowa State Fair on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. And then we're going to keep her moving down the road. Ultimately, Mike, we're going to end up in Washington, D.C. the week of September 12th. And we hope to have 20,000 miles under our belt and, and a great rally with all of the members and um, commodity groups who have participated with us along this journey. I believe you're going to be at the Farm Progress Show, right? We are. We're popping through the Farm Progress as well. We'll be there on the 29th. All right, so look forward to seeing you there in, in Decatur, Illinois. Angela Hoffman, co-director of Farmers for Free Trade. Angela, I know you mentioned uh, former Arkansas Senator Blanche Lincoln is there with you, so we'll make the switch over to her then. I look forward to talking with uh, Senator Lincoln, who is part of the program there at the Iowa State Fair, the big event this afternoon. Senator, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mike. I'm delighted to be with you, and I can't tell you how much fun it is to be out here on the road talking about things that we're all passionate about and that's our farmers and growers and america's agricultural community that produces the safest most abundant and affordable food supply in the world so it's it's a good time from your observations what you're seeing and hearing and the, those that you know in in congress um is there enough bipartisan support to get this passed Yes, there should be, and that's one of the great reasons I'm here. Um, I worked very hard with Chuck Grassley um, when I was in the Senate, um, enjoyed working with Chuck. We really worked hard to find the, the consensus, um, and we worked hard to find things that would move things along. 
um, where we could agree and where we couldn't, um, we worked through all of that. And so it is critically important for members of the United States Senate and the House um, to realize that these are essential issues to our economy uh, and to much of the heartland of America and the people who continue to work hard day in and day out in these communities um, to provide the safest, most abundant and affordable food supply to the world, not just to us, but to the world. Um, so it's a great opportunity. We've got a bipartisan group in our little 501c4 um, um, uh, effort here with the Farmers for Free Trade. Um, and we've had some great success on the road, and I've loved it. I started with them in Pennsylvania with the dairy folks, went to California to visit with the rice growers and the grape growers and the almond growers and others like that. And now, for the first time, I get to go to the Iowa Fair, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. We're talking with former Senator Blanche Lincoln. Um, there have been some concerns raised on some issues with USMCA, primarily by House Democrats, uh, talking about enforcement and uh, some of the other issues uh, outside of agriculture even. Um, do you feel that any of those are deal breakers, or do you think uh, they can be worked out? No, they should not be, and I don't think they have to be. Um, I do think they can be worked out, and there's no reason that they shouldn't. Um, people need to come around the table and realize that something uh, is in this for everybody um, and to come to where you can find the consensus and move forward. I don't think anyone feels, or well, I shouldn't say anyone, but I think people are missing the point of the urgency of this. Um, I know... Um, you know, it, 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 Angela mentioned, um, you know, with what we, we're seeing in our agricultural communities across this country and what they're faced with, not just, um, you know, with trade with Mexico and, and Canada, but in China and other places, um, you have to build relationships. People have to be able to depend on you um, as, a, as a nation to be able to come together and figure out what's the best step forward. Um, that is absolutely critical. You learn that. I, I'm a farmer's daughter. You know, you got to get along with your neighbors. You've got to figure out how to work things out with them. Um, if you don't and you're not in, in tune with your neighbors, um, you know, you can't go ask them to <laughs> spray their culverts and make sure that the weeds aren't going into your field. Um, so it is really critical that we, we get this done, and I think that everybody should be at the table. And I hope and I really believe this tour is, is really elevating the voices of the amazing agricultural community in this country. They're going through a tremendously hard time. And as Angela mentioned, it, it filters down, whether it's the banking community, um, the implement community, and everybody else. It makes a difference in people's lives. In the ag community, we look at USMCA in terms of ag trade. We know that many of those members of Congress that will be voting on this uh, are looking at it from a different perspective, through a different lens, whether it be autos or, you know, jobs of factories or whatever it may be. Uh, how do you bring enough people together? Uh, how do you build that coalition, that consensus uh, on a bipartisan level to get a trade deal this size passed? Well, I just always found in being one of the, you know, original um, starters of the Blue Dogs and, and working as a moderate Democrat, um, that coming up with good practical ideas and good practical solutions um, that, that make sense for everybody and realizing that everybody has something to gain and everybody has something to lose. So I think it's important um, that when we're talking about all of the different aspects of trade, that that the people from farm communities are passionate about what it means to their communities, to our growers as well as to the communities that, that you know, they surround. 
And I think that's one of the things that has really been empowered among a lot of our, our agricultural folks um, as we've come through the, you know, the different parts of, of America. Um, they realize that they've got to speak up, that they've got to not only speak up for themselves, but they've got to encourage their communities to speak up um, and to really let folks know what it means uh, to them, I mean, you look at Iowa, um, the exports in Canada and, and into Mexico. Um, obviously, the big ones are uh, corn and soybeans and beef, um, much more so in terms of corn into Mexico. But you, you just look at what, what goes there. I mean, these are our neighbors, yes, but they are also our trading partners. Um, and, uh, you know, the way that agriculture is facing right now in terms of the global community and the relationships that we have jeopardized, um, it is critical for us to keep our neighbors um, intact. So I just think it's, it's really important um, that, that people recognize that you can disagree without being disagreeable, but you have to come together to begin to figure out where that consensus is and build from that. Um, and that's what I'm pleading with members, both in the House and the Senate, to do, um, is to figure out that the, uh, the U.S. Um, um, NCA is, is a great place. If you look at what NAFTA did for us, I mean, I know I voted for it, um, and I got some grief about it. But if I look at the statistics of where we are today um, and where we are, um, where we were then, I mean, if you just look at the, the, the uh, agricultural exports, we've increased um, from $8.9 billion in 1993 to $39 billion in 2017. Um, you know, that's the way it's supposed to go. It's supposed to be us improving what we do and who we are on, on the international stage and making sure that we're keeping those marketplaces and building new ones. Very good, Senator. Thank you very much. Enjoy the Iowa State Fair. I know you'll get some good food there and a chance to talk with a lot of folks about USMCA and some other issues. Thank you and Angela. We appreciate it very much. You bet. Well, Mike, thank you for hosting um, us today and, and thanks for all of what you do and reaching out on agriculture in America. It is so meaningful, not just to us in this country, but it is to the world as well. So thanks so much. Looking forward to the All right. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you very much. Enjoy. Thank you. Former Arkansas Senator Blanche Lincoln, she mentioned being a part of the Blue Dogs. Boy, you don't hear that much anymore. That was a time when uh, you'd get a group in Congress on both sides of the aisle that would work together on issues and build consensus. You just don't hear as much about that anymore, unfortunately. And uh, we're seeing the results so often of the gridlock that goes on. Uh, So thanks to former Senator Lincoln and also Angela Hoffman, co-director of Farmers for Free Trade. That'll be a big event today at the Iowa State Fair promoting USMCA. Big event coming up on Monday, the August Crop Report. We're going to preview it with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. 
texting whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, sometimes it sounds like we're putting all of our eggs in one basket, the Chinese basket, and that's not the case. So you're looking at constantly to uh, develop other markets around the world. That's right, and we're seeing expanded opportunities in Korea. We had uh, one of the best first couple of months in terms of cheese sales in Korea we've ever had. Southeast Asia continues to be of great interest to us. We're, we're establishing a center of dairy excellence in Singapore to send a message that we're going to be in that market for good. We've just uh, recently concluded uh, some additional expansion into Chile uh, and potentially Peru. And so we're looking to expand existing opportunities. However, you know, we are at a disadvantage.
advantage. The European Union has been very aggressive in terms of negotiating free trade agreements. So we do need a couple of wins here, and hopefully we get uh, the USMC ratified, and hopefully we get a, a Japanese agreement. That's former Secretary of Agriculture and now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. The anticipation and speculation about Monday's USDA crop report continues to build. Let's get a preview from Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, Wow, the guesses are all over the place what USDA will come out with on Monday. Yeah, this is one of those reports that's probably one of the more confusing reports that uh, I can ever remember. It's, It's got a lot of different stuff going on. Uh, not to mention this has been an anomaly as far as weather's concerned, so we all know it's nothing new, you know, that uh, there's a lot of different ideas on just how much prevent plant there was, first of all, and second of all, you know, how the USDA is going to look at this crop. Yeah, I guess we start with acres, right? The, we finally start getting a better idea of just what we have planted out there and what, what did not get planted? Right, and so we've been hearing from several uh, several people that you know some state directors have actually let the prevent plant acres out, uh, but we also know that these acres are still being reported. So we've still got claims coming in. Uh, typically, what we see is is uh, prevent plant acres uh, will grow into October. So uh, we're going to get a taste of it here on Monday, as far as how many acres did not get planted for each crop. But we're not going to get the total number by any stretch of the imagination. So there's still going to be some moving parts after this report, but we're going to start to at least quantify it somewhat. Well, speaking of moving, do you see this report as a market mover? Yeah, I would say that the ranges on Monday could be substantial. Uh, You know, I don't know where we're going to come in at by any stretch of the imagination. But I would say that the volatility is, is probably going to be pretty high, uh, given the fact that there's so many different things and directions that we can go uh, based upon how we're going to view this report. Now, me personally, I feel like uh, this crop has definitely in some areas uh, been hurt. In other areas, they've got pretty good crops. As parts of Iowa and Nebraska, I talk to producers that are pretty high on their crop. But the problem is you get into the eastern Corn Belt, not only were we extremely late, in the spring with a whole lot of stress, but now we can't catch a rain in a good chunk of this area. And so where where I'm at here in central Illinois, uh, there's uh, some really punk-looking crops. Uh, bean crop is not very tall. Corn crop looks rough. A lot of firing going on already, and it's not because it's dying. Uh, or it's not because, you know, it, it's premature death or anything. I think you're just seeing significant stress. And so uh, bottom line on this is that um, there's a lot of moving parts. I don't have a great feel for it, but I would say that uh, in the long run, uh, I feel like production is going to continue to come down. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see what USDA thinks of uh, yield potential right now. Right, and so a lot of people say, well, I don't think they're going to change it. But actually what they're going to do is it's going to be a whole new way of looking at the crop. And so uh, could they come in higher in 166? Uh, 
Um, yes, I think that, that that is a possibility. Now, when you look at the crop ratings, that would not suggest uh, that we're going to come in higher than 166. Now, I'm not a big fan of crop ratings, uh, but there's no question that, especially in areas like Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio, uh, you know, the crop rating isn't uh, very good, okay? So whenever I look at a state like Illinois, uh, there's definitely areas that, uh, you know, you still got pretty darn good crops, but for the most part, when I talk to producers, it's a pretty common theme that they're significantly below last year. Last year, of course, was phenomenal, uh, 210 bushel state yield. I think Illinois comes in 40, maybe 50 below last year when it's all said and done. Is that going to happen on Monday? Probably not. Uh, but bottom line is we have definite production issues. Uh, those are going to get more clarity the farther you go along in harvest. So I don't know that everyone's going to get uh, uh, the satisfaction that they want to see if, if they really think that the USDA is going to be super hard on this crop on Monday. Meanwhile, an, an ag disaster has been declared in all 102 Illinois counties. Right. It, you know, and, and so that definitely, uh, you know, sometimes people are going to say, well, that's, you know, uh, there's nothing to that. But there is obviously something to it. I mean, we, we had a ridiculous amount of, of issues thrown at us uh, this year. You know, when you plant the crop this late, uh, typically you're going to have problems. And so that leads me to uh, maybe the more overriding issue, in my opinion, not only in Illinois but in the country, is the soybean crop. I think the soybean crop is in definite trouble. Uh, the first thing that would have led me to believe that was when we planted the crop. I said, I just anybody who's assuming that these beans are going to have the potential to yield what they have the last few years, given how early we could plant the crop, uh, maybe doesn't understand the soybean plant. Now, I know soybeans can do a lot of interesting things with the right weather, uh, but at the same time, we've seen double crop yields uh, in our part of the world uh, really impressive the last few years, but they're still 20 to 25 bushel under. Uh, the planted beans in, in April and May. And so um, I've got to think that this bean crop is, is more than three or four bushel under last year, which a lot of folks have uh, been uh, surmising that might be the case. Uh, again, I don't know that we find it out on Monday, but I would have to think the USDA uh, would be wise enough to maybe pull a little bit more out of it than that. Yeah, we knew with the late planting it was going to take perfect conditions uh, the rest of the growing season to try to catch up, and uh, we've had far less than perfect conditions, that's for sure. With this much attention on the August report, I can only imagine what it's going to be like for the September report. Right. I think the September report is going to carry a significant amount of weight. I mean, they're actually going to be out in the field like they Mm -hmm. used to be in the field uh, for August. And so how much are they going to be able to find out? You know, in some fields, you're still going to be looking at uh, uh, corn that's not even black-layered yet. And, I mean, there's going to be a significant amount of them that aren't black-layered yet. So September is going to be a very interesting report as well. And as I said previously, I think what you're going to see is uh, you're going to get a little more of a handle on total production because you're going to quantify acreage a little bit better here on Monday than what we already see, what we've already seen. But as far as yield's concerned, I could see yield changing uh, maybe substantially from August forward. Uh, I'm not sure that they'll be able to take a cut out of production uh, like maybe some people would like to see them make in the August report as far as corn is concerned. Uh, I do think later on, as you learn more about the crop, as you see what this stress has done, uh, you're going to find out more. All right. We'll find out on Monday. Thanks, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. That wraps it up for today. 
Have a great weekend. Remember, Monday I'll be at the Missouri State Fair in Sedalia at the Missouri Farm Bureau Building. If you're going to be there, stop in, say hello. I look forward to talking with you. Thanks for being with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit.